Father, we just sang, your peace you give me, even in times of storm. God, we pray for those who are going through conflict and they feel like they're in the middle of a storm. God, we pray for peace. Meet them as we open up your word this afternoon. Meet them in the middle of their conflict, dear God, and speak peace, just like you did to the waves and to the wind when you were in the boat with the disciples. God, we will stand amazed at what you can do and what you will do. Be glorified in the next few minutes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Times Square Church. How many of you are ready to deal with the issue of conflict? Conflict goes back to the very first chapters of Genesis. I'm sure Adam and Eve had a little bit of conflict after the fall. The Bible doesn't go into detail about that, but you know human nature, right? My goodness, things were not the same after the Garden of Eden, and I imagine some conflicting issues arose in their family. We see the evidence in their two sons, Cain and Abel, right? One rising against the other. So if the church was just two people, there would probably still be conflict. But even in a growing church, there's more opportunities, right? In fact, the book of Acts in chapter 6, it says that there was a growing number of disciples and God was adding to the church daily. And then there arose some complaining and grumbling and in the Greek uh, widows, uh, they felt overlooked and they felt that they were neglected in the serving of the tables. So we see growing pains. We see conflict arising just for the simple fact that it's a growing church, okay? So we're not surprised if in this church, in this congregation, you may go through some conflict with one another. There are cultural misunderstandings, cultural differences. I was speaking to my sister just the other day and she was reminding me of something that happened to her in the mission field with two pastors that were having this conflict between each other, one from Honduras and one from Puerto Rico. And it all stemmed back. Finally, she realized what was happening. God just gave her the moment to be there where she heard something. She realized what was at the root of the issue between the conflict. It was that one pastor had said something, which means one thing in Puerto Rican Spanish, and it means another thing in Honduran Spanish. And it was offensive. It was offensive. And from that day when he had said it, it was over some backpacks. There were some extra backpacks, and he was saying... You can do whatever you want to with the extra backpacks. That was his last message to him. They were leftover backpacks for the kids. But that message was offensive because it, was, it, it meant something else in, in, in their uh, region. So it, there are cultural differences. Look around you guys. Look around you. We got a hundred and something nationalities around us. There's bound to be some differences in how we, we, we deal with different situations. Amen. There's diversity of personalities, diversity of cultures, diversity of leadership styles. You may be in a ministry where the, the leadership style is not what you're accustomed to, is not to your preference. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In fact, in, in the, 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 the church of Corinthians, there was people saying, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I'm of Peter, you know, I'm of this. this is my style of preacher. This is my style. And, and Paul says... Is Christ divided? Don't, don't allow that division to come into your midst. But this is something that we could expect. Political opinions. Let me just be clear. Not everybody here voted for the same candidate. Not everybody here is Republican or Democrat. Not everybody here has the same opinion. And yet we're one in the body of Jesus Christ. 
Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's what has dominion and power and authority in the hearts of the believers. Since as members of one body, say one body. You were called to peace and to be thankful. Amen. Let's talk about the source of conflict. Many times the conflict can arise within the body of believers because there's a conflict within the heart of the believer. I'm going to say that again. Conflicts within the body of believers usually arise because there's conflict in the heart. James 4.1 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? In other words, what's causing all the division and strife amongst you? Isn't it something in your heart? Now, of course, the enemy can, can be the cause of sometimes of, of conflict and can sow dissension and strife. But he, he takes advantage of issues in our hearts and weaknesses of our own flesh. Let me give you some examples of this. In Mark 10, 31, we see the disciples getting upset at James and John because they came to Jesus and says, Can you do one thing for us? We just want to ask one thing, Lord. Can we, you know, be the ones to sit at your right and at your left in glory? Man, when the disciples heard that, it says they were displeased. I think, I think the Bible just takes it easy on it. Displeased. And we don't know how long this went on, this displeasure. We don't know if they, they gave them the cold shoulder and the silent treatment. We don't know if when they passed the communion, they just passed by John, James and John and left them for the last We don't know if they, when they come in the room, they say hi to everybody and they don't say hi to James and John. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But Jesus came and gave them a lesson on servanthood. He says the world's mentality is not the kingdom of God's mentality. So I'm going to say that that conflict within their heart was this sense of entitlement versus exercising servanthood. There was a battle between what I'm entitled to. I'm sure that many of the disciples were upset at James and John because they felt entitled to be the one on the right and the left. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And probably James and John got to him before they did and asked him the question. So sometimes a sense of entitlement creeps into our heart because maybe we've been in church for longer than that brother. Or maybe we've been uh, serving in this ministry longer than those brothers and sisters. And who are they to tell me what I know? I, I've been here for quite a while. We have this sense of entitlement. Maybe you've experienced a sense of entitlement firsthand with the person sitting next to you that has the the hand on the elbow rest and you you say hey that's my side it's, you're supposed to have yours on that side and it's there's supposed to be order in the house of God you know this is disorder sense of entitlement somebody took your seat when you came in don't they know that that's your seat that that's where the Lord saved you that that's where the Lord meets with you you can't sit in another seat you can't sit back there up there it's got to be in that seat sense of entitlement versus Being a servant, exercising servanthood, just learning to be as Christ was and saying, I'm going to take the lower seat. I'm going to take the, 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 the lower seat. And, and those are the greatest, those who follow Christ in that, in laying my life down for others and taking up the towel and taking up the base and not walking by it and expecting others to serve me because I'm in ministry, because I got a title, because I've got this or that, or because, you know, I'm spiritual. No, but taking up the, the, the mantle of servanthood the glory and honor of his name. Amen. So right after the miracle of the loaves and fish, Jesus tells the disciples in the boat, 
beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And amongst them begins a little debate as to why Jesus is saying that. And it says, the Bible says, they discuss this among themselves. So he's in the boat, but they're discussing this among themselves. So I'm imagining they're doing it quietly. They don't want, they know they shouldn't be doing this. They shouldn't have this kind of argument, this discussion. But they're saying it amongst themselves. Dude, man, I told you. I told you, let's bring the bread. And you said, just follow Peter. Just follow Peter. It's it's all right. It's going to be okay. And now it's because we don't have bread. The master's upset. You know, They're, they're having this little discussion amongst themselves. I don't know how it's going on. Maybe it's the blame game. Well, you know, you had the last basket. I, you, you collected the last I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I didn't even touch that last basket. I put it next to you. I don't know. It says they discussed amongst themselves. It's because we didn't bring bread. So this is, this is another issue that sometimes rises up within the hearts of the believer, a conflict that, that causes sometimes conflict within the body. It's the the tendency or the inclination to point the finger versus or warring against faith in his power. Jesus says, come on, guys, what are you talking about? About who brought bread, talking about not having sufficient bread. Don't you remember where we just came from? Don't you remember the multiplication of the loaves? Don't you remember the five fish and the 5,000 people that were fed? And the baskets full that were left over? Can't you have faith in my power? Why are you worrying and striving? I believe he's talking more about just the provision. The provision of bread. I believe he's talking to the issue of the strife and the contention that's rising up within their hearts and within their ranks. And he says, don't you understand that I have power to bring these walls of separation down? Don't you believe that I have the power to do all things? Don't you know that I'm the God that has called you to unity? To be one body and to live in peace don't you know that I can speak to the winds and to the waves peace be still don't you understand that I can work a miracle among you and I've called you to walk in love don't you believe I can do that do you believe that maybe they're just blaming the leadership maybe they're they're saying if I was the leader if I was left in charge we wouldn't be lacking bread Maybe they're looking to how things are being done and looking to the past and how things used to be done. There are people in the church who just refuse to enter into change. And whenever something's done differently, they just, mm, they just put up, you know, mm, that resistance to change. No, that's not the way we used to do it back in the day. No, no, no. We've done it like this for so many years. Why, why are they changing that? Why are they using wireless microphones now? I remember when they used to use microphones with a cable and the, the sister would jump around and she would not get tangled up and the Holy Spirit was there. We, we could just trust God. Do you remember that? Spinning around with the cable and, and she wouldn't get tangled up. It's the way we used to do it. Don't you remember? We just had a little guitar and one trumpet player. Come on. The Spirit of God was there. Why so many instruments? And, and when church wants to do something different, you know, uh, all of a sudden there's a resistance to change and begin to sow conflict in the body of Christ. And God says, don't you remember that I have the power and the authority to cause the winds and the waves in your heart, the restlessness and the anxiety and the worries about, I I said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Don't you believe that he has power in that? Some of you have gone through conflict and you don't believe that God has the power to restore those relationships in ministry or amongst your brethren in the house of God. You don't believe and you've settled for just a ceasefire. Well, I don't talk about the brother. I don't talk about the sister, but I don't sit next to her. I don't look for her. I don't, I don't go out of my way, you know, because I was hurt. 
you know, and you settle for a ceasefire. That's not genuine peace. That's not the peace that God is talking about. Just not, not dealing, not just tolerating them. Just tolerate a ceasefire. I'm not shooting that. They're not shooting back at me and we're okay. No, God is saying, don't you believe that I have power to break down every wall? If, if, if you don't mind, uh, uh, Ivory, if we could sing that song at the end, uh, there's no wall he won't tear down, uh, no wall he won't break down, no lie he won't tear down. Because um, I believe he wants to bring down walls this afternoon. So the sense of entitlement versus exercising servanthood. The pointing the finger versus faith in his power. And lastly, our criteria of merit versus a mercy that covers. And, and what I'm referring to is uh, a situation in the book of Acts, Acts 15, 39. Where Paul and Barnabas enter into this deep, deep, sharp disagreement. The, the, the verse in, in King James says contention, sharp contention. It says they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Now, mind you, Barnabas and Paul are good friends. They're not just brothers in Christ. They're good friends. And now they, the, the, the dissension, the, the, the contention between them was so deep that they just had to go separate ways. Paul took Silas and, and Barnabas took John Mark with him. And the whole issue was, I don't know if you're familiar with the story, Paul had an issue with John Mark. He didn't want to take him on the trip with them. Because he had abandoned them back in some other city. Okay? He had deserted them. And I guess Paul felt offended. Or he felt like this brother's too weak in the faith. He's not going to be able to handle this uh, trip that we're going to. And I don't want him on my trip. I don't want a deserter. I don't want a person who's going to abandon us halfway through the trip. So I'm going to talk about our criteria of merit. What we establish as what, sh what a Christian should look like. What a Christian should act like. And we hold that as more important than a mercy that covers. A mercy that covers the faults. A mercy that covers the flaws. A mercy that covers the weaknesses of our brothers and sisters. Sometimes we have such a high standard and we spiritualize it. No, this brother, uh, I'm not too happy with this brother. Because, you know, he, he wasn't too faithful on that mission trip. whatever. And God is saying, can you give him a chance? And I, no, 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 no. No chances. And, and I'm telling you, my friends, Barnabas was the one who interceded, intervened for Paul when the brothers didn't trust that Paul had really gotten converted. Barnabas was the one that says, guys, you can trust this guy. He's really legit. God has really touched his life. When the disciples were like, no, 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 he's not part of our group. He's not part of our group. That dude's a murderer. Okay? We've seen what he's done to the church of Jesus Christ. We've seen what he does hauling people uh, to the courts and and and. We don't want him. We don't believe. We don't trust his authenticity. And Barnabas interceded. If only Paul could remember that, that, that Barnabas had interceded for him. And intervened for him. And, and covered him with a mercy and a grace. And allowed the other disciples to receive him into the fold. And also give this John Mark a second chance. Thank God later on in the book of Acts. Or in the, in the, in the apostles. In the epistles. I'm sorry. In the epistles. We see... Paul even uh, asking for John Mark to come along with him. So we know there was a reconciliation there and God did a mighty work there. But sometimes in our hearts, our criteria of, mercy, of merit wars against that mercy that covers. Amen. And that causes even good friends to part 
good friends, brothers and sisters who served in the ministry together, who went on the mission field together, who were hand in hand, all of a sudden now going separate ways. And they can't minister together because of the disagreement between them. Isaiah 53, 5 says, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. On the cross, we see the answer to our dissension, to our strife, to our contention. Whether it be learning to be a sacrificial of service, dying to self and serving my brother, living for the benefit of others, laying down my sense of entitlement, laying down what I feel that I deserve and serving my brother and esteeming him and her higher than myself. We see it at the cross. It's all in Jesus Christ. The punishment for our peace was upon him. It's in Christ. The answer to our conflict is in Christ, is in the cross of Jesus Christ. He laid his life down for you. Now he's calling us to lay our life down, not in our own strength, not in our own power, but looking to the cross. He gives us power. He gives us the ability to live sacrificially and in service to one another, to trust his power. That he carried all my shame, all my guilt, all my faults, and also the faults of my brothers, the faults of my sister, the faults of my brethren. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't have to be pointing the finger. I have to be pointing my eyes to Jesus, looking unto him, lifting my eyes to the heavens, to Jesus Christ. Amen? And that mercy that covers, that was all in the cross. The mercy that while we were yet sinners, he laid his life down for us. While we were still not worthy. I'm not saying that that brother that offended you is, is I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, just uh, pretending that it's okay to, for us to, to walk and, and offend one another and just say, God bless you. It's all under the blood. I'm not saying that. Don't misunderstand me. I think that's, that's wrong. And if you see that in the church of Jesus Christ, it's wrong. That we could just treat each other any way we want to and then say it's all under the blood. That's not what God has called us to. But God has power. There's power in the blood of Jesus. We've been singing about it all day. There's power in the, in the sacrifice that Jesus made on Calvary to liberate you and me from these conflicts and these offenses. And letting it form a root of bitterness in our hearts and dividing us asunder. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's power in God to bring resolution to our conflicts. Second point. Let's deal with the importance of dealing with conflict, the urgency of dealing with it, not just uh, suppressing it, uh, sweeping it under the rug and just pretending it didn't happen. Conflict left undealt with can grow and fester and it could infect many. Are you hearing? Conflict left undealt with is just, it just uh, uh, begins to fester and begins to become like a cancer within the body of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Say everyone. And to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Let no root of bitterness grow and defile many. Proverbs 24, 30 and 31 says, I, I went to the field of the sluggard. I went to the field of the lazy one, the one who didn't want to deal with the issues, the one who left it for later, the vineyard of the one who had no sense. And I saw thorns growing all over it and weeds all over the place and walls, walls in ruins. So my friends, why is it that we have to live in peace? Why is it that we should be living in peace and dealing with these conflicts? Why not just wait till they just pass away? Number one, God's heart rejoices when we walk in unity. John 17, 21 says that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and me, just as you are in me and I am in you. 
This is the Father's heart. This is, Jesus, this is Christ's heart for the people of God. That we would walk in unity. And his heart rejoices when you and I choose unity. It's not when we feel unity. But when we choose unity. It takes faith to choose unity. And without faith it's impossible to what? To please God. So it pleases God when you and I say, God, you know I'm offended. You know it's, it, 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 they, this rubs me the wrong way. But God, this is your people. These are your people. This is your bride. This is your body. And I'm going to trust you that you're working out a bride spotless and unblemished for the kingdom of God. And you will raise up a testimony in the midst of your people as I choose to walk in unity. And I choose to walk in submission to my authorities. As I choose to walk in unity with my brothers hand in hand. Amen. So this is God's heart for us to walk in peace with one another, to walk in unity with one another. Secondly, it's God's hand that reaches out towards us when we walk in unity. Psalm 133.3 says, for there, in other words, in unity, the Lord commands or bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. When you and I choose to walk in unity, God chooses to bless and God chooses to anoint and God chooses to restore and heal and deliver and set free and break the chains. My friends, sometimes we, we have the audacity of going on a missions trip without walking in unity with our team. My friends, and expecting God to do the miraculous. What are we talking about? When God is a God of unity, he's a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, working in oneness. And he prayed for us. He prayed for you and I. He prayed, God, that they would be one as you and I are one. I want them to walk in oneness. And you and I would dare to go out and try to minister on the streets when we have offenses and we're, we're, not, we're leaving offenses undealt with. My friends, my, my knees tremble at the thought. And we're surprised when there's no power. We're surprised when there's no evidence and no anointing. My friends, God's hand is committed to reaching out and commanding blessing where you and I choose to walk in unity. Amen? And lastly, God's hedge uh, is raised up. So God's heart rejoices. God's hand reaches out towards us. And God's hedge is raised up. When we choose to walk in unity, there's a protection. There's a sovereign grace against the wiles and the tactics of the enemy. When you and I choose to walk in unity. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Those are two different verses, but they go hand in hand together. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Don't hold on to your anger one for another. Don't, don't let another day go by. Deal with this. Deal with this. If you can't deal with the person face to face, deal with it in the presence of God and say, God, I don't want to harbor this anger towards my brothers and sisters any longer. Even towards a church, a congregation, you may be upset. You may be Times Square Church, hey, 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 but holding on to some bitterness because of the church you left. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You ran out of that church like... Somebody fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah and you say, burn in hell. You know, I don't care about you. I'm going to Times Square Church. And God is calling you to a unity, to a forgiveness, to a reconciliation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? To lift them up as brothers and sisters in Christ. No, no, no. You don't know that church. They're dead. They're dry. They're... Can these dead bones live? God is able to raise up the dead and dry bones. Can you trust him? Can you trust him with that? Can you allow him to deal with the issues and the conflict within your heart? So that there will be less conflict in the body of Christ. Amen. So. Let's go to our last point. God's prescription for dealing with conflict. What is God's and the biblical prescription for you and I dealing with conflict? And let me say the three points that I'm bringing now 
are both preventive and curative. If you're in conflict right now, they can be the cure and the resolution to that conflict. And if you're not in conflict, they can be prevention and preventive so that you don't enter into conflicts that you shouldn't be in. Amen? So they work, they work both ways. Philippians 2, and, and I'm going to just put three letters, CPR, all right? So you can, for easy for your notes. In the world, we get CPR when it's an emergency, when it's a crisis, when we're, we're almost dead and gone. We get CPR. But in the body of Christ, we get CPR all day long. All, we're called to CPR, life of CPR. C, communicate with grace. P, present your case. And, C, and, and R, remember your place. Okay? So write those down. Communicate with grace, present your case, and remember your place. Amen? Let's communicate with grace. In your relationships, Philippians 2.5 says, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In other words, the mind of Christ is going to be what establishes peace in the midst of his people. Having the mind of Christ, submitting to his mindset, the way he sees things. Firstly, communicate with grace. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And man, sometimes we don't even understand that our words can be harsh. They, they may not be harsh and they may have a harsh tone. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Because we just have this personality that speaks like that. Okay, not all of us from same language speak in the same. There's different like musics and, and, and tones. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I was hearing in the, in the radio, they were talking about Hiroshima or Hiroshima. They were saying Hiroshima. And all my life I grew up say, uh, saying Hiroshima, right? So I asked this Japanese uh, uh, colleague of mine at the time, I says, what is it? What's going on? I've been saying Hiroshima all my life. And I'm hearing now on, on the radio, they're talking about Hiroshima. And he says, He's Japanese. He says, literally, it's neither. We, we don't have intonation. In our language, we don't, we don't put a force, a, a force on any syllable. We just go, it's just like robotic, like Hiroshima, all the same. So it's not Hiroshima, it's not Hiroshima, it's not Hiroshima. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's all. So I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised if somebody could say something to me that's not offensive but they say it with an offensive tone and it rubs me the wrong way my friends it could cause conflict just because of the way they said it so I I, I want to communicate with grace I want to yield my life to the grace of God so that whatever I say may bless the hearer okay Ephesians 4 29 do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for bringing others building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Amen? Communicate with grace. Ask God. God, give me the grace to speak. Man, those of you called to ministry, when you have to speak to the to people in your ministry, it, it's like you can yield and you can depend on God. And God gives you the grace to deal with them. You don't want to be offensive. You don't want them to turn away. You want them to be encouraged and lift them up. You don't want to come down and lord over them. The word of God is, is very clear in its warnings towards people who are elders and people who lead in the body of Christ and says, listen, don't, don't take that position that God has given you to lord over anybody, but to be servants of all. Amen? Present your case. Don't just communicate with grace, but present your case. Yes, there's a time to present your case to leadership. There's a time that we may have to call the elders together. We may call the leadership of that ministry together. But my friends, don't do that without first and foremost presenting your case before the leadership. Okay? 
the leadership of heaven, the, the, the Lord of hosts, the God who's in charge of the church of Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, say every situation. Every situation by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And then it says in verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. And I'm just going to add there misunderstandings as well. It surpasses that. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And it's interesting that this is in the same context where the apostle is pleading with this person called Euodia and Syntyche. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. It says, I plead with you to be of the same mind in the Lord. It's talking about unity. It's talking about learning to love one another and letting the peace of God and bringing your, your petitions before the Lord. Amen. Present your case. Bring it to the Lord. He's the boss. He's in control of the church of Jesus Christ. Bring it to him. And God will either change the situation or show you how to deal with the situation or give you peace in the midst of the situation. But he's going to deal with it. Amen. He's going to deal one way or the other. He can deal and change the circumstances or he can change your heart and my heart. And, and give us the grace to deal with whatever circumstance we're dealing with. Amen. And lastly, remember your place. We're called to remember our place. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And that, that's, not, that's not just a commandment of some heavy burden. Oh, man, this is, this is just getting heavier as the days go on. I got to not only show compassion and not only, you know, uh, but I got to forgive them for what they did. But then it says the key, just as Christ in God forgave you, forgave you. You got to remember your place in Christ. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. That means you didn't earn your salvation. You didn't work it up. You didn't do some great thing for God to please him and get his attention to say, oh, wow, I'm going to make this a child of heaven. No, you were by mercy plucked out of the miry clay and established in the kingdom of God, made a son and made a daughter. Remember your place. You are forgiven. You are washed. You're not perfect. You're not so hyper spiritual. You are forgiven by the blood of the lamb, by his sacrifice on the cross. Ephesians 2, 11, 14 says, remember, you were once separated, you were excluded, you were foreigners, you were far away from the covenant promises, you were without hope, but you were brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 14 of that chapter 4, he himself is our peace, who has made the group, two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And while the musicians come to play, and uh, I would like to sing that song again about the wall. There's no wall he won't tear down, kick down, and no, no, uh, whatever it says, we're going to sing it. No shadow he won't light up, no mountain he won't climb up. Listen, sometimes we just sing that song and think about me, me, me. But it's the church of Jesus Christ that I believe the song is about. There's no wall he won't tear down so that his church, his bride, will be spotless and blameless. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He will run after us. He will chase us down. He will do whatever he has to do to break that wall of division between us. He will take our pastor to Jerusalem to speak to Arabs and Jews so that the walls will come down. Remember our place. Remember in humility who we are, that we're nothing outside his grace. We are nothing. We're a heap of flesh outside of his grace. Amen. I remember once, and I'll finish with this, on my way to discipline my daughter when she was a little girl. And I had had enough of what she was doing. I was ready to, to just discipline her. I'm not going to say what I was going to do, but I was heading towards her room and she comes out real quick and says, Daddy, 
what's 70, 70 times 7 mean again? And she was a little girl. I'm telling you, she was a little girl. I was like, wait a minute. I had to do a, a double take. How does this girl even know that? 70 times 7. She was referring to something she heard on a VeggieTales uh, 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 DVD or something, right? About forgiveness. And that just, God had a way of just stopping me in my tracks. Because I was walking in anger instead of walking in the love. Are you hearing? I'm not saying disciplining your children is, is not out of love. I, but I, at the moment, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear about forgiveness that goes beyond. the Because it was time after time she had failed me. And I had warned her, warned her, warned her. And then she says, what does 70? Don't try that on your parents if you're <laughs> little kids here. And as a teen, as a teen, she had done something also. My older daughter had done something. I was on my way home when I received the phone call. And man, it wasn't the Holy Ghost that was rising up within me. It was the wrath of a parent who says, how dare she? You know, and I was on my way to go to her friend's house and just pull her out and say, how dare you? And on my way, there was a red light. Thank God for red lights. Thank God for red lights. I stopped at the red light. And the Holy Spirit just ministered to me one little phrase. David, imagine if I dealt with you in the same way you want to deal with her every time you blew it. And I repented and I said, God, forgive me. I want to be a vessel of your grace and honor. And as we stand together this afternoon, if you want to ask God for forgiveness, for walking in anything that's out of character of his heart, I want this altar to be open for you to just get it right with God and say, God, I'm bringing you not only my relationships, not only my, my conflict, but I'm bringing you my heart. I'm bringing you my heart that my heart may be knit with yours in a way that I may represent you well. It want, God is calling us to a genuine unity. Don't settle for anything half-hearted. Don't settle for anything just tolerating, tolerating one another. Uh, just a, a simple ceasefire is not going to do in this generation. This generation is looking for a, a body who's truly walking in the love that can only come from the throne of grace. Amen. So if that's you, if God is speaking to you, dealing with you, know that he's coming after you even now this afternoon to tear down every wall, to light up every shadow, to, 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 to kick down every, every wall and every lie that the animal, enemy has placed in your heart against a brother or a sister or a group or a church. And he wants to make you truly the bride of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that you would leave your, 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 your throne in heaven to come and die for us. That you would leave your glory in heaven to come and walk amongst us and speak peace into the waves and to the winds of our conflict. The conflict of our sin, dear God, and settle that issue with your blood once and for all. We thank you, dear God. We thank you for peace with God. And Lord, we pray that it be manifest in our hearts, dear God, as we choose to walk in peace with one another. God, I pray that you light up every shadow, every shadow of conflict in our hearts and amongst our midst. God, that you would light up every shadow, even things that we don't want to deal with, God. You would just light it up with your presence, with your grace, with your love, with your tenderness. Lord, let us see that light, dear God. Open up our eyes like you did to the blind man. We want to see people the way you want us to see them. We want to see our brothers and sisters the way you want us to see them. Not like trees moving, God. Touch our eyes, dear God, to see one another with compassion. And God, I believe you. I'm believing you for the miraculous. Miraculous, not just tolerating one another. I believe you're going to build friendships, dear God, where there was, there was discord and there was misunderstandings and... And, and dissension, dear God, and strife. I believe you can birth 
solid friendships with brothers and sisters, dear God, and be a testimony of what you can do. Like we heard in that video, one new man. God, do it, Father, for the glory and honor of your name. We yield our hearts now. We yield our hearts. Breathe into us, dear God. Breathe your life into us. Breathe in that love and that compassion that can only come from your throne room of grace. And let the love of Jesus flood through these aisles, flood through these seats, flood through our hearts, flood through our conversations, dear God. And let it impact this generation in such a way that they would be drawn to the presence of God because of the love that they see in this place. I thank you for this. Do the miraculous in our midst. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.